Hello and welcome to this all new episode of Poetry Spoken Here. I am producer and technical director Jack Rossiter Munley. And very quickly before we get into the episode, I just wanted to mention as always that Poetry Spoken Here is produced by Cardboard Box Productions Incorporated, a small digital production company making podcasts about poetry, literature, and cultural history. You can find out more about Poetry Spoken Here and all of the other Cardboard Box Productions podcasts at cardboardboxproductionsinc.com. And, most excitingly, Cardboard Box Productions also has a newsletter called Unboxed that you can subscribe to, and that's a great place to get more information about the poets and writers featured on Poetry Spoken Here, and the people, poems, and subjects featured on all of the other Cardboard Box shows. So again, that's the newsletter Unboxed that you can subscribe to from CardboardBoxProductionsInc.com. On with the show! I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today comes to us from down in Florida, Howard Debs. He's into a lot of projects, and he's going to be talking about some of them and reading his poetry. The newest one is the New Voices Project. He has a chapbook, Political, and the other book, Gallery, a collect, which is subtitled A Collection of Pictures and Words. It has some outstanding photographs in it. At any rate, we're going to talk to Howard Debs right now. Hi, Howard. How you doing? Hi, you made my day already by commenting on my photos. Oh, they're truly outstanding. It just makes it really something to have the poetry with, where the visuals aren't, um, I don't know, just kind of so-so. You know. Well, if just... you haven't guessed already, Atraxis is uh, my passion. So uh, I, I particularly, uh, co- I, I don't know whether I coined the phrase contemporary Atraxis, but uh, I, I actually did uh, an article about it in Review Review, if you remember mm. that publication. Uh, they uh, are no longer uh, be, uh, doing that publication, but uh, uh, Becky... So, uh, so why is that different from Becky, any old... From Becky any old Tuck, well, in the interest of time, I'll refer you to the article. I think you can get it online <laughs> yeah. in their archive. But Becky okay. uh, Took asked me to uh, to do a piece on Ekfraxis. Uh, it's uh, kind of something that's uh, uh, near and dear to my heart. So, All right. But a lot of people seem to be getting into it these days. I see it more and more. Well, just let me make one more comment on that. Sure. Uh, I'm... Uh, a communication specialist as a day job. And uh, so uh, I came upon uh, neuroaesthetics naturally and uh, came to realize uh, as I was experimenting that uh, the multimedia idea made a lot of sense. So part of the contemporary aspect of this has to do with the way I weave the visual and the language uh, hmm. together. All right. Well, it's nice that you can do that, that you can do the photography to go with the poetry. That's uh, always helpful when you can do it yourself. For sure. Well, you get it the way you want it. Yeah, right. And I am a bit of a control freak as well. <laughs> so it all works out. <laughs> Okay. So in terms of, of your poetry, uh, 
what aspect of it would you like to talk about first and uh, give us a sample poem? Okay, well, first of all, I, I uh, would be remiss if I didn't thank you for having me on the show. I'm a staunch fan of what you're doing. And um, I'd uh, really uh, like to spend some time with you on uh, my newly published work, uh, Political, which is a, a chapbook, uh, and get into that a little bit. Well, uh, let's but, do it. Uh, uh, you want to tell me about it or read a poem? Well, I'd like to do both, but before sure. I do, just to preface so we're clear, uh, I want you to be aware I'm a member of what I consider the rebellion. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm also a huge Star Wars fan, but that's not the rebel alliance I have in mind. <laughs> uh, I, I did some consulting for and had the pleasure of working with Rattles, Tim Green, who you probably know. And... Uh, in particular, we worked on shaping Rattle's Poets Respond feature. I came up with the slogan, Poetry is Back in the News, uh, to, to try to uh, reclaim a time when uh, uh, poetry was commonplace in the American press. And anyway, my point, or the point I'm trying to get to is that Rattle's mission and my mission are aligned. And that has to do with bringing poetry into the living room of our culture, so to speak. The more poets and the more poetry, the better. Uh, for example, I believe we need Amanda Gorman's poetry. I believe we should welcome Rupi Kaur and her Instagram poems. As a matter of fact, I think Rattle has a whole issue on Inst devoted to Instagram poems. So what I'm trying to get at is we need a big tent approach, in my opinion, to the 21st century uh, if we're going to have uh, uh, a future for for poetry that we want. And uh, in that respect, um, I, I, I just want to be clear that uh, in my work, I try to champion the exoteric, the accessible over the esoteric, the inscrutable. So that kind of is my mantra uh, for what I attempt. Um, so, um, I think we need that, a poem. That, that brings me to political. The intent of the work overall is to channel and champion the tradition of pamphleteering and chapbooks generally. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's an introduction uh, which is written by Nellie Pearson, archivist and scholar who contributed that introduction and it has nothing to do with my book. Uh, it has to do with the history of the chapbook from its beginnings to its latest iterations, which spill over into the digital realm as far as she's concerned. But let me do uh, one of the prose poems, uh, Charlie, from uh, Political. Uh, this one is uh, called Fundamental Attribution Error. I don't want to be an alarmist, but around the corner outside of this library in an alcove near the emergency exit, there's a good-sized chartreuse suitcase just lying on its side, and people are passing by ignoring it. I saw it on my way in to return my books. It's there next to a large plastic bag stuffed full. I'm not sure what's inside the bag or the suitcase either, so I thought I'd better let someone know. Oh, you're saying it's someone who's homeless, 
who left them there to come inside to cool off. They do it all the time. Okay, so I'll leave it up to you to decide what to do. I didn't intend to cause a scare, but you can't be too careful nowadays with so many crazy people out there. You know what I mean. And if uh, I haven't overstayed my welcome on political, uh, there's a found poem that uh, I'd like to read for, from that. Uh, it's, it's uh, titled The Weed Killer, a found poem. It's an agonizing death, dying of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. In his case, claimed to be caused by Monsanto's Roundup, used by the school groundskeeper. In the opening statement of the trial, his attorney shows photos of the lesions on his client's body. The groundskeeper read the label, contacted the company after developing a rash, was never warned it could cause cancer, so he maintains. Monsanto's counsel tells the jury it takes years for the disease to develop, that the cancer started well before the groundskeeper started working in the schools. Glyphosate, the suspect ingredient, is safe. Shown by numerous studies, so states Monsanto's counsel in delivering his opening statement. The World Health Organization has classified the ingredient as a probable human carcinogen. California has added the ingredient to its list of chemicals known to cause cancer. The EPA says glyphosate is safe for humans when used according to the directions on the label. A federal judge in Sacramento blocked the state of California from requiring Roundup to carry a warning. The simple fact is he is going to die. It's just a matter of time. Between now and then, it's just nothing but pain. So pleads the attorney for the plaintiff. So that's a couple of samples from political. And that's political. That's excellent. Yes. The kind of messages and, that need to be out there. And the, the only other thing I would like to say about political, other than you can find out more at my author website, howarddebs.com, is uh, that that particular piece was inspired by Charles Reznikoff. Uh, and uh, Reznikoff, as you know, was a member of the objectivist movement, if you want to call it that. It was a pretty small group, maybe five or six Jewish Jewish uh, poets mainly. Uh, and I'm uh, of a Jewish faith background myself, so I have a simpatico with him. But mainly, uh, this was inspired by that because he he wrote. Um, among other of his work, Holocaust, which is a 94-page uh, book published in 75, which was based on the Eichmann and Nuremberg trials. He actually uh, had a law degree, and he extracted from 26 volumes of transcriptions from the court proceedings in writing that. Uh, wow. So uh, that was something that drove me to think about the... Um, 
the possibility uh, of uh, what might happen in a country that abandoned trying to protect its citizenry in favor of kleptocracy. All right. This is an aside, but I have to tell you, when you mentioned Reznikov, I think of Rakosi. I'm a huge fan of Carl Rakosi. Uh -huh. <laughs> I just don't know if you're a fan of his or not, but these names, folks, you know, maybe you haven't heard them lately uh, as you're reading your poetry and finding new people to read at the library and the bookstores. And uh, Charles Reznikov and Carl Rakosi are just really worth your time. Well, and, and indeed so. And uh, uh, I'm a kind of a, uh, as I mentioned uh, uh, at the top of your show, I'm kind of an equal opportunity poetry lover. So uh, I haven't met a, a good poet that I haven't enjoyed. And, uh, and that hasn't been meaningful one way or another. Yeah. I admit for me, that might be a tautology. If, if, I, yeah. like him, I, if I like him, I decide they're a good poet. <laughs> but anyway, all right. So let, let's uh, move on to your, uh, you, want to, you want to move to your Holocaust uh, project? Yeah, that seems like voices? a natural segue, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah. So are you doing uh, programs? I wasn't We, we will be, we okay. will be. Uh, okay. the, the pandemic has shifted the time frame for a lot of things, right? And including uh, the New Voices Project is what uh, you're talking about, of course. Yeah. Uh, and, and basically, um, let me just mention that uh, I've been, uh, I, I, we talked about Reznikov and his work, Holocaust. Uh, I've been on my own journey in terms of Holocaust poetry. Uh, I uh, wrote an essay in On Being, uh, The Poetry of Bearing Witness. You can Google it, uh, and uh, it describes that, uh, that uh, journey. Uh, I have searched for over 30 years plus for a way to bear witness and uh, ultimately uh, came up with the idea of founding um, this uh, nonprofit organization, uh, New Voices Project. So um, our mission involves recognizing the international growth of xenophobia and threats to democracy and the challenge of alternative truth. Sound familiar? Um, yeah. And uh, in, in, instead of dealing with the Holocaust as a static historical event and only a Jewish tragedy, the New Voices Project is going to be advocating for a more dynamic approach with a focus on the moral lessons for all for all of humanity. So the anchor component um, will be the book New Voices that you mentioned, and hopefully to be published in later 2021 by Valentine Mitchell of London, who, by the way, is the publisher of the first English language edition of the Diary of Anne Frank. So what, what we did was we selected vintage images from noted collections, matching each to a poet, a, sh a short story writer, a flash fiction writer. Plus uh, there's features by essayists as well. And, and each writer interpreted these silent witnesses from the period uh, in their own unique way, uh, creating new perspectives for our times. And it's a, a very diverse group because the power of the book comes from its diversity. 
uh, including writers of color, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, LGBTQ, uh, prominent and emerging writers from all around the world. Uh, and, and there are a lot of contributors, is that true? Uh, there are 62 in all, including yeah. the essayists. Uh, the book, New Voices, will undoubtedly be considered another anthology, only because New Voices is a new thing without known precedent. The, I like the term construction better. There are four doors. These are the essays. There are 48 windows. These are the poems. There are eight rooms. These are the stories. So, so Charlie, basically, New Voices is a combination history lesson and inquiry into humanities and humanity through the arts. And, and your listeners can find out more about the project and sign up for our e-newsletter, if they care to, at newvoicesproject.org. Okay, newvoicesproject.org. Good. Yes. Um, did, did you want to read something that's going to be in it or just... Uh, well, uh, yeah, I, I think that, uh, that given given where we're at in the project, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's kind of like a movie. You you know you don't you gotcha. don't want to get ahead of yourself. <laughs> I I can I can do a tease though on uh, some name dropping uh, <laughs> if you'd like. Uh, uh, I think I saw March Piercy in there. Yes, uh, well-known people. Our friend Alan Catlin. <laughs> yes, Jane Jane Yolen. Uh, we have uh, Linda pa uh, Paston. Uh, okay. But on the other hand, we have people like uh, Rafiq Abdullah, who is a London barrister, a Muslim, an expert on Sharia law. He literally wrote the book on it, wow. and uh, he contributed uh, his poem Buchenwald. Super. Well, then, in terms of, I want folks to hear a few more poems before, at least another poem or two, uh, before we're done. You want to take something out of uh, the other book? Gallery? Yeah. Let let me let me move on then, uh, if uh, I may. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, to something completely different. <laughs> uh, I've been thinking in terms of remaining published work out there, not yet. Uh, compiled in book form, uh, which might be treated as a kind of compost, uh, hopefully as a fertilizer for future thinking for those who come after me, uh, granting that I uh, actually wasn't published until I was 70. And uh, so my time frame is a little different than some other poets. So I'm thinking this may be my my last volume, but um, it's called uh, uh, tentatively detritus, which you may know is uh, debris. Um, the the cover of the book uh, includes a f uh, my f uh, a photo I took of fallen leaves strewn on the ground, which uh, which I shot uh, on one of my several trips to the Asheville area and the Blue Ridge Mountains as pilgrimages to pay homage to the, the beauty of fall. And so um, th this is one piece from that. It's, uh, and uh, I selected it because it brings things right to the moment, I think. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's uh, titled Flowers for the Dead. 
It was originally published in uh, an, a new uh, online periodical that I uh, urge your listeners to check out, Brown Bag Online. Uh, they're doing some very interesting work. Um, flowers for the Dead. Where have all the flowers gone? Oh, when will they ever learn? From the song written by Pete Seeger. 1955, a hospital parking garage converted to a morgue, three refrigerator trailers stacked on shelves, three high coronavirus victims awaiting pickup. She oversees these temporary quarters. It's always full, 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 she said. They were dying at alarming rates alone by themselves without their families. She goes to the flower shop. She picks up her standing order, yellow daffodils. If there aren't any daffodils, she'll take carnations. Yellow, please. That's the most important part, bright yellow. She enters each trailer and walks the aisle between the rows, pausing at each new body bag. There, she carefully places a flower on top. One or two, it depends on how many flowers I have, she said. Sometimes I run out. I'll go after work to go pick up more flowers. I know in the morning I'll need more. And, and uh, just let me attribute the source, uh, Charlie, if I may, for that uh, found poem. It's uh, the New York Times, uh, May 5th, 2020 article, uh, had headed uh, the morgue worker, the body bags, and the daffodils. Whoa. And, and I, I was so touched by the time story of this forensic technician's empathy lighting the way in uh, such a dark time as we've been through, uh, needing to be shared, unadorned. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to do anything to it, just speak it. So I just. Uh, took some of it and recast it uh, in a number of different ways and uh, came up with uh, that piece. Okay. Well, if you'd like to, we have time for one more short one. Okay. Right. Uh, so I, I know along with your many escapades, uh, you are among a handful of poets chosen to ever perform at the Chicago Blues Festival. And uh that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, so uh, let's try to end on a, so to say, high note. Uh, in my book gallery, which you mentioned, a collection of pictures and words, uh, there are several pieces devoted to music themes, including that's why they call it the blues. I'm not going to read that one, but I'll finish with a, a piece from the forthcoming work, uh, Detritus, uh, and it's called Laissez le bon ron uh, rouler, which is a Cajun expression meaning let the good times roll. Laissez le bon temps rouler. If you want to hear America, listen to the music of buckwheat zydecos, staccato studded toe tapping accordion oozing with the bayou and hot sauce of Lafayette, Louisiana. If you want to hear America, 
Listen to the music of Basolet serving up a fiddlin' Cajun storm like a filet gumbo, overflowing with ham, sausage, chicken, shrimp, crab, oysters, all together in one big pot. If you want to hear America, listen to the music of the Preservation Hall Jazz Band at 726 St. Peter Street, down in the French Quarter in New Orleans, open nightly. All ages welcome to savor the growl of the horns, the boom of the stand-up bass, the patter of the banjo, all combining to create a patois of delectable delights to ease the mind. If you want to hear America, listen to the music of the Rebirth Brass Band, maybe leading a funeral, following behind the serpentine tuba, rumbling out a sound to quench the stole. Stanley Durrell Jr. has died. Let the good times roll. Oh yeah. That's a poem full of truth. And I, I wanna thank you again for spending this time with me and sharing some of my work with your listeners in podcast land out there. It's been a pleasure. It's been great, Howard. Really glad we could arrange to do this. And folks, you if you need to, you can go back and find a couple of uh, things you might want to go to, like Brown Bag, that Lit Mag, and uh, Howard's Project New Voices dot New Voices uh, New Voices Project dot org. There you go. It's been great to talk to you. And folks, I'm Charlie Rossiter. You're listening to Poetry Spoken Here. Join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Monley. And remember... Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com.